At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. The biggest football games of the season are coming, and Bet Rivers is introducing new parlay features just in time for the playoff push. For your next bet, try a multi-game parlay and combine bets across games to make your perfect combo. Combine player props, game bets, and even different same-game parlays into one multi-game parlay. Make your parlay today at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com to place your bet. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by Bet Rivers. It's Holden for Vison. It is the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. And we got Brandon Stokely coming up today. Looking forward to catching up with him, talking about the Fangio firing and where the Broncos go next. And then Josh Applebaum from Vison. He's going to talk to us about the playoffs, the playoff lines, and maybe some betting systems that can help you out as well. I've got my thoughts on Fangio and the coaching search. We'll be doing that in just a moment, but I want to thank everybody for getting us right around 2,500 downloads so that I can now donate to the Longmont Humane Society up there in Longmont, Colorado, taking in pets. They're taking in pets, housing them, feeding them, looking for their owners, all of those pets that were left homeless or even injured uh, from the wildfires up there. So thank you very much for getting those downloads for me. I appreciate it. Ultimately, it'll be $500. If you want to donate yourself to this, Longmont Humane Society, just look it up, Longmont, Colorado Humane Society, and uh, you can help them out as well. That $500 is uh, going to feed, house, and keep at least one abandoned pet alive. And that makes a big difference to me. Okay, before we get to Stokely and before we get to Mr. Applebaum, let's get to the firing. So the Broncos lose to the Chiefs. Who cares? Um, Peyton does the right thing. He fires Fangio as soon as possible so they can get going on the coaching search. That was Black Sunday for the Broncos, Black Monday today. So much news coming out. Brian Flores firing. That was the big shocker there. Uh, this was inevitable that Fangio was going to be gone. There, there was no offense over the past three years, none whatsoever. I mean, they were just awful. Uh, his defenses did step up, no question. Uh, the problem was that over three years, he went 9 and 30, 19 and 30. 19 and 30. You can't go 19 and 30. And his offenses were horrendous 28th, 28th, and 23rd in his three years in Denver. Um, another problem. 16 challenges in his time here. He lost 12. And this year he went one and seven, or actually one for eight 
So we got one right and seven wrong this year in challenges. Just something else that was a problem. The offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, that relationship didn't work out. The offense didn't work out. The special teams didn't work out. And worse than that, he was 5-13 and 13 in the division, didn't beat the Chiefs one time, had massive issues beating the Raiders too. So a, a four-game losing streak to end the year, a four-game losing streak in the middle of the year. He never snipped the playoffs. I mean, we were fooled for three or four weeks here that there was a shot they could go to the playoffs. Really never snipped it. Horrible in-game coach. Um, and he was as bad as it gets at challenges. <sighs> 10,000 no-shows per game. Yeah, they're selling out, but I mean, we're talking five figures. People just not, Broncos fans not showing up to these games. And it was a very easy decision for, for Peyton, I'm sure. I'm not saying from the personal level, but I think from a business standpoint, it didn't take him very much time uh, to end up making the, the right move. So what's next? Uh, let's go look at what's next. The other job openings here in the National Football League. The Vikings. I think the Vikings have a very good foundation. You know, Zimmer, gone, should have been gone. But I think they're GM too. So you're getting a whole new package deal there in Minnesota. I don't know if it's quite as attractive as it is in Denver. Um, but it's a good job. They do have a quarterback in Kirk Cousins. I'm not saying he's anything special. But with a great defense, I think Dalvin Cook... Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, that core could at least be a good team. The Bears, maybe you have the quarterback of the future in Justin Fields. Maybe you don't. Very dysfunctional organization. Uh, I would put that behind the Broncos. The Dolphins, behind the Broncos. Why? Well, uh, again, dysfunction. I get it. There's not a an owner here in town. We're going to have a new owner. But the Dolphins have had the same owner for years, and Stephen Ross continues to shoot himself in the foot keeping a general manager around for 20-something years who's had almost no success and firing Brian Flores, who, boy, I would love to have him here in Denver. Uh, Jaguars, that's fine. I mean, I guess you could take that job. I'm not sure it pays too much and more dysfunction. Possibly the Giants job. They have no quarterback whatsoever. Uh, they just have nothing. They, they need a full rebuild there. And then the Texans, uh, if they fire Cully. And that's another job where it's just going to take a lot. So I think that the Broncos head coaching job is the most desirable. It'll be that and the Vikings. And ultimately, if there's a team that's going to pay any more than that, but why would you not want to come here? All the tradition in the world, a uh, wonderful place to live. I, you know, Minnesota, I'm sure it has its, it's, it's a great town, but it's nothing compared to Denver. I, th I think you look at any of these teams, Minneapolis, Chicago, Chicago's great town, Miami. This is a great destination, great destination. The roster, there is a foundation. George Payton said that, and there is a foundation. There's a good foundation. Defensively, you've got skill position players offensively. Unfortunately, the three most important things for an organization Ownership, head coach, quarterback, and the head coach will be the, the, the one of the missing pieces. It's going to be tough to be successful without a quarterback, and then new ownership is going to have to be uh, very good as well. So the next question is, what are the Broncos looking for in the next head coach? Someone who could fix the offense and will be joined by a defensive coordinator that could keep the standard of excellence on that side of the ball? Hmm? Does he need prior head coaching experience? Does it have to be an offensive-minded coach? I think that there's 
one thing that we know that Peyton's looking for is leadership skills. Okay. So without further ado, here's my odds. I made these odds up myself for the next Broncos head coach. I think eight options, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight options. Okay. Uh, we'll start with the guy that I think is the favorite to win the job as of now. Now, how is he the favorite? Well, I think you look at a lot of reports and, and that's what we go on when we're betting these things. We look at reports. We'll have a list of guys that are coming in here sooner than later as well. But the one guy that's getting more buzz than anybody else right now is Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator, uh, former Falcons head coach, got to the Super Bowl, obviously massive collapse there. But for me, I would make Dan Quinn the favorite at plus 400. Um, hey, listen, he's also 10, 10 and 13 on 23 challenges. So he wasn't awful at challenges. I know I'm taking a little dig at Fangio there, but come on. Um, is Quinn's draw so powerful that he could lure Russell Wilson to Denver? You know, he's been with Russell Wilson out in Seattle before. I'm not so sure about it. You know, Dan Quinn, nice guy. He's got the team uh, to the Super Bowl. Does it matter that he's a nice guy? Probably not. I think he's the favorite just because of the buzz going around him. Um, I also think that Jerry Jones is going to pay a lot of money to his coordinators to try and keep him here. So the Broncos might have to pay an extra tax to get any of these guys away from Jarrah. Uh, Kellen Moore, another Cowboys guy. I'm going to put him second on the list. Kellen Moore, Cowboys offensive coordinator. One of the best young offensive minds in the game. Obviously a lot better with Dak Prescott. That offense, numero uno, number one in the National Football League. Um, you've also got a, a coordinator here last year that had no quarterback. The offense really did struggle a lot. So it makes a big difference. For everybody, you know, Fangio has a great quarterback here, then he's probably not fired. The team's probably winning. What can the next head coach do with a mediocre quarterback or a younger quarterback? And I still say it's a pipe dream. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. I mean, you could keep saying this stuff, but, you know, Russell seems like he wants to stay in Seattle. It'll be a little fight between him and Pete Carroll to stay. Aaron Rodgers, the more you hear from him, Looks like things are starting to get patched up in Green Bay. So I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket there. But Dan Quinn plus 400. I think Kellen Moore is next at plus 500. And then I'm also going to, at the same odds, I'm going to put Brian Flores there. Not because there's really been any connection to Brian Flores. He did interview here three years ago under completely different brass. Um, just to start with the challenges, he was 8-11 and 11 on 19 challenges. So that's relatively good, right? Um, he had a great finish to this season. Just a great finish after a slow start. He won with Tua, a mediocre quarterback at best. Um, and, and I would say, as far as production goes, maybe just a little bit better than Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not so sure that Tua's in a different class. So Flores had success there. Um, he was 19 and 14 the last two years after his rookie campaign. So there's an organization historically awful, got five wins out of him in the first year. And then 19 and 14 is pretty good. Came up as a defensive coach. Uh, Brian Flores would be my choice just because I think he's a winner. That being said, came up as a defensive coach. Can they bring in the right offensive coordinator with Brian Flores if they were to hire him? So I'm going to put him right there with Kellen Moore at plus 500. Now, there are other head coaches that are getting mentioned or local media guys saying, hey, this is the guy we should get. We'll start with Nathaniel Hackett, plus 550. 
offensive coordinator with the Packers. I think the people that are wanting him are actually chasing the pipe dream that Aaron Rodgers is going to come here. Uh, he did take Blake Bortles with the Jaguars to an AFC championship game in 2017, believe it or not. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has been very successful with him, obviously. Aaron Rodgers is just a super stud. Uh, not calling the plays. He can be interviewed this week with the team on by, with the Packers on by. You know, is it, do people want Aaron Rodgers? And that's why they're saying Nathaniel Hackett's the guy. I mean, he's fine. Doesn't call the plays there, has a history, whatever. Plus 550 for Hackett. And I think he's that high because of everybody thinking that Aaron Rodgers is going to come here. Again, I'm not buying into that, but it is the pipe dream that a lot of people are trying to get. Uh, plus 600, plus 600. My buddy Nick Ferguson, a local talk show host, former Bronco, and he's going to be on with me tomorrow. He loves Brian Dable. The Bills offensive coordinator. Now, he can't be interviewed until the Bills are eliminated. I mean, it could be after next week. If they make a run, it's going to be a long time. And then the pool is going to shrink. And I think you have to take that into account here. But he's developed Josh Allen. He is a Belichick disciple. And that offense has been a good offense with, with Josh Allen. I just think, listen, the job he's done with Josh Allen, for the amount of crap that that poor kid took coming out of Wyoming, everybody's saying he's so inaccurate. Well... You know, it, it, Dable turned him into a pretty good one. Plus 600 for him. Uh, I'll throw him in the mix. The next one, Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator and a guy that many of us uh, in middle age remember him playing at CU as an All-American. Um, it must be that he interviews poorly because the, the offense for the Chiefs has been good for so long. Now, I think he took a really big hit the first half of the season because the Chiefs offense was awful and they did not adjust to the pass uh, to, to the new way that defenses were going to try and stop the passing game which is limit the big play i don't know if it was more andy reed or eric Bieniemy or patrick mahomes but that combo right there turned things around they had been solved and toward the end of the year they said hey patience 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 and now all of a sudden the chiefs offense is back to being elite um boy i <sighs> I like him. I like him a lot. And I don't understand, you know, if he, unless it is that he is a bad interviewer, I don't understand why he doesn't have a job, to be honest with you. I'll put him at plus 650. Will it be easy to get an offensive coordinator from the division? I don't know. But at the very least, they better talk to this guy. They better talk to this guy. Uh, plus 800 will be Doug Peterson. I believe a lot of uh, dots will be connected here, trying to bring Doug Peterson in. Former Eagles head coach. Won a Super Bowl when Nick Foles got red hot. Um, and then it got messy. You know, it was a messy exit. He didn't get along with the with the general manager in Philadelphia um, and, and Howie Roseman. And ultimately, that was the demise for him. He didn't win. And then you do you remember the, uh, the end of the last game that he was coaching where he wasn't trying to win? It was just making silly play calls. It was a very, very messy divorce from Philadelphia. He's won a Super Bowl. He's got that on his resume. Is he a guy that you want leading this organization? I mean, for me, it's a pass. And then last but not least, you got to throw a long shot in there, right? You got to throw a long shot in there. Let's go Jim Harbaugh at 20 to one plus 2000. We don't even know if he wants to coach in the NFL again. 
All of a sudden, Flores is fired. The media runs and says, oh, he's going to the Miami Dolphins. The owner of the Dolphins comes out and says it's not going to happen. So in review, Dan Quinn plus 400. He's the favorite in my book. Moore and Flores plus 500. Nathaniel Hackett plus 550. Daybol plus 600. Bienemy plus 650. Peterson eight to one and 20 to one for Jim Harbaugh. My choice again, Brian Flores. Love the guy, but he did a great job there. Belichick disciple figured out he could actually beat Belichick. Uh, he had Belichick's number. I don't know behind the scenes what happened there between Flores and the general manager. All I know is that the Dolphins front office does not get the benefit of the doubt here. And I think the benefit of the doubt goes to Flores. Uh, so he's my guy, number one. And again, he's plus 500. I got him right up there as the second likeliest choice. They're going to have to lure him here. Uh, and then Peyton has to say, A, he's a great leader. And B, we can figure out how to get the offense going with Flores coming to town. Um, the other one, the other one I'll say, and, and also similarities between the, the Dolphins and the Broncos. Again, I think a middling quarterback, although they were two different types of quarterbacks. Broncos have a run game and a great defense here. Um, and, and this is how it'll go then. I want Flores to be here, uh, plus 500. I think Quinn will be the favorite at plus 400. And those would be, that, that would be the way that I handicap the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. Okay, without further ado, uh, we'll, we'll do a little further ado. Quick break, come back. Brandon Stokely, the former Bronco, the big time talk show host here in Denver, joins me to talk about the coaching change next on the Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. Being a homer has its perks at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. As promised, Brandon Stokely, a former Bronco, longtime NFLer, uh, housed uh, Peyton Manning apparently, and uh, also gets to talk some Broncos with us today. Uh, Mr. Stokely, first of all, thank you very much for the time. Second of all, oh, what, what is this? Every three years, we're just going to go back and we're going to do the same old thing, Groundhog Day? Yeah, uh, it's not fun. Certainly, this is not how you want to operate. This is not what they wanted to do. This is why Vic Fangio got year three. They didn't They didn't want to have to hire a new coach. They wanted some consistency there at the head coaching position. But unfortunately, it just wasn't good enough. He had an opportunity to save his job. And George Payton, the general manager, gave him a lot uh, this, this offseason. And he had enough to win with. And it's a bottom line business. He just didn't get it done. So you can't continue to go down the same road. You needed to, to change. And um, that was the move that was made. And... Uh, hopefully we won't be making this move here in Denver for a long time. No, uh, hopefully we won't. There's a lot of good candidates out there too. Uh, what do you, and, and I know Peyton said we're looking for leadership. He's looking for leadership. What do you think the next head coach of the Broncos, what kind of qualities does he need to have besides for leadership? Well, yeah, I think the, the energy, um, you, you just got to come in, you got to re-energize that building. And, um, you know, obviously leadership is a, is a huge part uh, of that. Um, 
I'm looking for a guy that's been a head coach before. That's kind of where I'm leaning right now. Uh, we went we went with uh, Vance Joseph, no head coaching experience, didn't work out. Uh, Vic Fangio, no head coaching experience, didn't work out. Josh McDaniels, no head coaching experience, previous experience, didn't work out. Fox, John Fox, Gary Kubiak, check, check, all, all were previous head coach, coaches, Mike Shanahan. So I think when you, when you look at it, uh, it's a tough job to do. And I don't care how long you've been an assistant coach for, how long you've been around the game, uh, until you're the head coach and all those responsibilities that come with it, fighting through adversity, facing the adversity that a head coach has to go through day in and day out, it's a tough adjustment. So I'm leaning towards a guy that's been a head coach before and that's been through the fires a little bit. How desirable is this job? I mean, you've got the Vikings out there. At least they have kind of a quarterback. The Bears with a young quarterback. The Dolphins completely dysfunctional. I can't believe they let go of Flores. Yeah. There's Jacksonville. There's uh, maybe the Houston Texans. Like, how attractive is the Denver job, given they haven't made the playoffs for six years, but there's kind of a foundation here. I think it's an attractive spot, obviously. Um, you know, with the ownership situation, uh, you're not quite knowing who the new owner is going to be. Uh, it's probably going to be happening this offseason, uh, expecting it to happen. But I think it's, a, you know, there's only 32 of these things. So they're all pretty attractive to guys that want to be a head coach. I think when you look at George Payton, I think he's, uh, I think a lot of guys would like to work with him. I think when you look at the draft picks that they have, I think when you look at the cap room that they have, it's an attractive spot. Now, you got you don't have a quarterback, which is pretty important, right? I mean, you need a quarterback, so got to find a quarterback. But certainly, I think it's a very attractive job to a lot of candidates. Well, I mean, I don't know if you agree or not, but the most, three most important things, ownership, head coach, quarterback, right? So they've got to do all three of these very quickly. How... How quickly do the Broncos, how quickly does Peyton move on hiring a head coach? Is this thing going to come in the next week to try and get out in front of it? Are they super patient? What are your thoughts there? Well, I, I think it's probably, you know, a couple weeks, week and a half. I, I don't think they're in any rush. Um, I, I think you got to take your time. You got to interview, uh, go in with an open mind and, and not have who you're, you're going to um, select um, already uh, you know, made up and, and, and you got to go to it and into it with an open mind. I think um, that's the best way to do it. You got to take your time. It's an important hire here. You know, we, we, you don't want to be doing this. Like you said, like we started off here, you don't want to be doing this in a couple years again. Mm -hmm. So it's an important hire. You got to get it right this time. And so take your time. No, no, no rushing. No rushes. Okay. So um, I have an inkling as to who you're going to say you think the next head coach should be. There was a little survey over at the fan. So why don't you tell me who you think the next head coach of the Broncos should be? You got somebody in mind? I do, Dan Quinn. I think Dan Quinn would be a perfect candidate. He's worked with George Payton before. Um, he Obviously, we all know about Atlanta um, and, and what happened in the Super Bowl, and that was awful. But I think it's a good thing. The guy, he, he has been in the Super Bowl, and he's had to go through about as much adversity as a head coach has had to go through, losing that football game. And I think you see how he's transformed himself in Dallas and, and um, how he's learned from his previous mistakes and how he's grown and how he's energized that building and what their defense looks like now. It's not the same old, same old Seattle cover three defense, single high safety. He's uh, evolved as a coach. And I think he's evolved since that uh, Super Bowl loss to, to the uh, Patriots. And uh, so I think that's the type of coach that we need here in Denver. Yeah, he's. I, I came up with odds for it, and I got him as the favorite at 4-1. to one. I think Kellen Moore should be in the mix. People are bringing up Hackett. 
and, and let me connect Hackett and Quinn for a second because Quinn knows Russell Wilson very well and Hackett knows Aaron Rodgers very well. And my sense is that it's a pipe dream that either one of these guys are going to show up here. It looks like things are, are much better in Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers if he wants to continue to play. I don't know what it would take to get Russell Wilson the organization multiple times that he's not going anywhere. So you tell me, like, is this coaching search, will part of it be, can the next head coach lure one of the big quarterbacks here? I don't think so. I don't think you can go into it with your fingers crossed and, oh, let's, let's hire Nathaniel Hackett and hope that Aaron Rodgers come here, comes here, or vice, you know, vice versa. Same thing with Dan Quinn and, and Russell Wilson or, you know, Brian Flores and possibly Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, a lot of talk was Deshaun Watson really wanted to go to Miami because of uh, Brian Flores. So uh, I think you got to hire the best coaching candidate. It's, a, it's an important hire. You can't hire that guy with the hopes that he's going to bring along a quarterback. That might not ever happen. So you got to hire the right football coach for your team. So, Brandon, the, the right football coach for your team, would it be Brian Flores? To me, a complete shocker, absolute shocker. It's obvious the dysfunction in that organization when you get a GM that's been there for so long with no success and a head coach over the last two years that went 19 and 14 with Tua as his, his quarterback. What are your thoughts on Flores? Could he be a fit here? I was surprised. I was very surprised. Like you said, he's had success the last two years. Won 10 games, won nine games this year. Um, uh, the guy wins games. And, you know, they, they were three years ago when he took over. They were in tank mode, and he was still able to get five wins out of that football team. So, look, I was surprised. And certainly, yes, he should be on the list of the Broncos candidates. Uh, but when I heard part of the reason there's – two, three sides to every story, right? Part of the reason why they let go of uh, uh, Brian Flores was because his relationship with the GM was deteriorating and the issues with Tua. Um, and so that has me kind of weary. We can't have that here in Denver. You can't have any kind of conflict in, in his coaching staff situation there. A lot of coaching changes underneath them year in and year out. Can't have that. Uh, so uh, that has me a little bit hesitant with Brian Flores, but the job on the football field He's won football games. He's been through adversity. This is the type of coach that I think the Broncos should hire. With that pedigree, they lost seven in a row this year, came back and won seven in a row. That's going through a little bit of a, a adversity. But the issues with coaching staff, the issues with his general manager, I'm kind of uh, hesitant on that. that. That is interesting, too. So on one hand, I kind of give him the benefit of the doubt working with such a dysfunctional organization. But ultimately, the most important thing for the head coach here is going to be what? Winning and then winning with a quarterback, developing a quarterback or having a, a star just come here and winning out that way. So it does concern you, the relationship between he and Tua, because Tua actually got better as the season went on, but the relationship you think was decaying a little bit? Well, that's what it sounds like. And uh, yeah. there was issues there. You know, I didn't like how he handled the quarterback position. You know, you go back to last year. And Tua was the guy, and then all of a sudden, you know, Fitzpatrick was the guy, and then Tua, then they kept on flip-flopping and uh, made the move to go to Tua halfway through the season when they're winning football games. And then um, uh, this year, you, you kind of, you know, you never get a sense that he's all in on Tua. And at some point, you got to commit to a quarterback. And so I, uh, I, I didn't really like how he handled the, the quarterback position with Tua. Does he not believe in Tua? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know the inner workings there, but certainly – um, you know, you, you got to figure out the quarterback position. You got to get along with your quarterback. I mean, those are important things. So don't know all the 
you know, sides to the story and what happened with Brian Flores, but certainly it was a, it was a surprise to me. And, uh, but he, he's going to be a hot candidate and he, he definitely should be on the Broncos list. Yeah, he should be. Now, quarterback here is next year's quarterback on the roster right now, or do you fully expect somebody else to be the starter in 2022? No, you, you got to find someone else. Um, and I think Drew Willock did enough uh, to, to stick around. Uh, I think Teddy Bridgewater's got to go. You got to start over there. And whether it's a young drafted guy in the first round or fingers crossed, you know, say a few prayers tonight, maybe it's a, one of these veteran guys that, that might fall in the Broncos' lap or Rodgers, Russell Wilson, or whoever. Um, that would be certainly be nice. Um, but you know the plan. The plan isn't on the roster right now. You, okay. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to swing George Payton. He's gonna have to figure that out. And he's gonna have to do it this off season. He's gonna have to do it this off season. Is right. Um, so going back, you, t- you mentioned Drew Locke real quick. Fine as a backup, right? I mean, they they decided to rein him in so he didn't turn the ball over. I guess you know they didn't score too many points until. Sunday against or Saturday against the Chiefs, but uh, talk to me a little bit about Locke because to me, in no way or means is he a starting quarterback in the NFL, but he does have a role on this team still. He's a fine backup, right? Yeah, I, I think especially if you get a veteran quarterback, he's fine to be the backup. A young quarterback, I think you would need to add to the room. Um, I, I think you would need to bring in a veteran quarterback as the as the main backup. Uh, but certainly, look, Drew Locke's going into his fourth year. He's not going to be making a ton of money when it when it comes to NFL standards. So to keep him around um, is is not like, oh, my goodness, how, how do you make room for Drew Locke here? I, I don't think that's an issue. So certainly I think Drew Locke um, should be back. I don't know in what role. He won't be the plan. But is it second string, third string? Uh, I think he showed himself that he was capable of being a backup, and he came off the bench. Um, and played okay, you know, and, and didn't turn the football over the last few games. You didn't see the bad turnovers there. So gave the Broncos a chance, uh, which you like. And still a young guy, still a young quarterback. Uh, certainly is not your plan, but back on the football team, I, I think so. Any thoughts on the ownership situation? Do you get a sense as to at least who's going to be in the mix to own this team? Because, again, I mean, you have strong ownership. Your organization's probably going to be strong. We saw that with Bolin. You got no ownership, you missed the playoffs. Yeah, no, no clue there. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody with a lot of money, though. Um, you know, worth <laughs> billions. Uh, yeah. So, I, uh, I, I think uh, obviously it's a, it's a uh, critical spot in your organization, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see. It's, it's not for sale yet, uh, but you know, all signs are pointing that this thing will be sold this offseason. That's my expectations there. And, uh, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who ends up with the Denver Broncos, and hopefully. You know, they're driven to win, and uh, that's what you want from your owner is to, you know, kind of turn it over and give all his employees the resources to be successful, kind of like Pat Boland did, and set a standard within the organization. And that's kind of what you hope for from from a, a new owner, and, and hopefully that's what the Broncos will get if, if that does happen this offseason. All right, last thing for you. Let's talk a little playoffs here. Titans, Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Raiders, Pats, Steelers, one through seven there. Again, we got the two uh, we got the two teams on by for the first time this year. Fourteen teams in there: uh, Packers, Bucks, Cowboys, Rams, Cardinals, Niners, Eagles. Any any team or two that really stands out to you that you think is primed for a nice run here in the playoffs? It's wide open. You know that's a great thing mm-hmm. right right now. I don't think there's one team that you look at and say, "Oh my gosh," you know, uh, they they really separated themselves from everyone else. I, I think if there's one, you'd probably say the Packers. Um, I, 
Titans are a little bit underwhelming, number one seed for me. Uh, Chiefs, they, they, they just look like they're just not quite the same this year. I like Buffalo coming out of the AFC. I really like Josh mm. Allen, what he can do with his legs. Um, uh, so I, I like Buffalo uh, in, in the in the AFC. And the NFC, I mean, it's hard to go against Green Bay this year. I think they're a complete football team. I like what I'm seeing from them defensively. Um, Tom Brady, Tampa, it's hard to pick against Tom Brady, but they have so many injuries this year. I think that's what's going to hurt them in the long run. Uh, so in the NFC, but, but I could, you can see the Rams getting hot, the 49ers getting hot. There's a lot of teams in the NFC that I could see making it, and I wouldn't be surprised. And also in the AFC. But in the NFC, I'm going to go with the favorite there. I'm going to go with Green Bay. So I'm going to go with Green Bay, and I'm going to go with Buffalo in the Super Bowl. Ooh. Now listen, um, Dan Quinn, let's say Dan Quinn is their guy, and the Cowboys win these three games. Do you think when three games get to the Super Bowl, do you think – that if that's Peyton's guy, he would wait the full three weeks or try and get somebody in here uh, so he doesn't miss out on a secondary choice? I mean, you got nothing but time, right? I mean, wait, wait. If that's your guy, you just wait. You know, these things are work behind the scenes. Uh, right. Agents and all this. We saw it with Kyle Shanahan when they went to the Super Bowl. 49ers just waited. He knew he was going to San Fran. They knew they had him. The whole world knew. It was all good. So, um, if that's your guy, you just wait. No, no big issue at all. No problem at all. Um, and so we'll see if it is Dan Quinn. If they do go on a run like that, um, you just be patient with it. Uh, it's a, it's an important hire, like we've talked about. And you know, if that guy's going to the Super Bowl, good for him. But be patient and wait it out. Okay, Brandon. Uh, big time show here on the fan with uh, you and Zach. And of course, how do they follow you on Twitter as well? Yeah, I got a radio show here in Denver. We, do, we talk a lot about Broncos, local sports here, 11-2 on 104.3, the fan. Um, I got a, a pretty cool partner, Zach By He's all right. I carry him every day. Um, and uh, we have a lot of fun, man. We joke around, have a good time. And uh, I'm on Twitter, at bstokely14. And uh, you can follow me there. And, you know, appreciate uh, Bet Rivers putting this together for us. And, um, you know, appreciate you and, Looking forward to seeing what, what goes down here with the Broncos. It's going to be interesting, fun offseason. you got ownership talk. you got uh, head coach talk. you got quarterback talk. I mean, it's going to be a fun offseason for the Denver Broncos. Yep, no doubt about it. At least they can sell some hope because they'll have a new head coach uh, coming in here and probably a new uh, quarterback as well. Brandon, thank you so much for the time. Quick break. We'll come back. Josh Applebaum from VEASAN, from VEASAN, and we're going to break down these NFL playoff lines, talk some betting systems, too, on the Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. right, thanks again to Brandon Stokely for hopping on the program. Next on the Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers, Josh Applebaum. Uh, gosh, I can't say he's one of the better guys of VEASAN because all the guys are really good. But one of my favorites, Josh Applebaum from VEASAN, joining us here. And that's not just blowing smoke, my friend. I really do, do enjoy the content. So... Thank you for hopping on. How are things going in your world? 
Oh, things are going great, Holden. Really appreciate, uh, really honored to be on Denver CityCast. And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just a cog in the wheel at VEASAN, but uh, either you love me or you hate me because I'm the contrarian better who always talks about, you know, betting against the public, looking at line movement, forgetting the eye test. So uh, yeah, you got you got some haters, you got some lovers, but Holden, it sounds like uh, you and I kind of think think through games similarly. So uh, good start here. You know what? I At the end of the year, I start looking through all my bets again and seeing if there's any trends. This year, I think for the first time in the NFL, I was a heavy under better, especially as the season. Like when you flip the calendar to December, I went back and looked at whether it be player props or totals more than sides or anything else. I was an under better. And I just want to get your thoughts on some of the takeaways for the season, maybe some of the trends and whether I'm alone there or was this something that became a trend in the NFL? It really did become a trend, Holden. And I think, you know, you hit something uh, really important here. If you're betting on sports and we're seeing it legalized all across America, New York, big domino to just fall with mobile betting over the weekend, but you got to track your bets. You can't just place a bet, watch the game, hope it wins. Use an app, use an Excel sheet. If you want to be old school pen and paper, it doesn't matter, but track your bets because, you know, Holden, when we track our bets, whether you use an app or whatever you use, we can learn about ourselves as a better. So maybe in the mm -hmm. NFL, we're break even, but by tracking our bets and being able to analyze them, we figure out maybe, hey, we killed our unders, but didn't do very well with spread. So if you're not tracking your bets, you're making a mistake. Make sure you track them and, and really learn your strengths uh, and work on your weaknesses. But you're not alone. I mean, overall, NFL to me is always a good contrarian sport in general, just because it's the most heavily bet sport by far. And again, with legalization spreading, you're having more and more people come into the NFL market for the first time. Typically, that's probably the first sport that you bet on once you get into sports betting. Uh, and really, there's a public bias toward favorites toward home teams toward overs we all know sweating an over is much more fun than an under but fun isn't really what you want to do when you bet you want to you know make a, a play that you feel you have an edge on so really you know leaning on dogs leaning on unders historically they've done well in the nfl bet you know betting against that public bias but especially this year so in terms of your totals you're spot on holding unders went 146 and 123 this year overall that's a 54 percent uh you know rate there and remember you know trying to overcome the juice standard minus 110 juice we got to win 52.38% of our bets. So anything above that is a profit. So a lot of people new to betting, they say unders were 54%. That's not very good. If I got a 54 on a math test, I'd fail. I'd be after school and I need a, you know, a tutor, but 54% is pretty good. That's going to make you a successful better. Uh, primetime unders. This was another big key over the, uh, over the NFL season. Those, you know, Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday night games, those unders were 56%. Why is that important? Because there are more bets in those primetime games, a better spot to bet against the public. Uh, windy unders, another system match, a very simple one. But uh, as you mentioned, Holden, you know, when the weather gets bad, especially with wind, if the wind is 10, mile an hour, 10 miles an hour or more, the under was 50 and 36 this year, 58%. Then you flip it and say, good year for unders, good year for dogs as well. They had a killer end of the season, week 18, 9 and 5 ATS. Uh, they actually had seven outright wins. Overall in the year, 141 and 126, 53%. It was kind of weird. You know, they started off like 60% the first, you know, I would say seven, eight weeks. Then you had a little bit of a favorite stretch. Then they really bounced back and barked later in the year. But here's the thing holding the big takeaway. Road dogs. The NFL, the home field it has really been mitigated. You know, we, we used to be, you know, always giving three points to the home team. There's a lot of research, and Jeff Vogel at Beeson thinks it's more around like one and a half points, two points. Some stadiums, they do have the close to a three, but most of them have been mitigated. Those road dogs, 85 and 71 against the spread, 55%. And my number one system this year, Holden, when you were a short road dog getting six points or less, 
51 and 28 against the spread, 65%. So anyway, you slice it or dice it, it was a good year for the books. It was a good year for contrarian betters. Public had some fun, but the public plays toward overs, home teams, and favorites really wasn't a winning strategy. You really wanted to go the other way and look at dogs and unders this year. So we're going to talk about what that means for the playoffs. You brought up weather, though. And for me, just sifting through the data over the years, because not only I'm a better, but I'm also a daily fantasy player. I think the two, if you're a good better, you could be a good daily fantasy player. And I think from the other way too. And the, this, what I have dug up from there, statistically, wins of 15 plus, 15 to 20, a little knockdown, 20 plus. I think you're starting to see the under really roll in. And then as far as rain, not as much of an impact. I guess it would go quarterback by quarterback. And then snow, complete advantage to the offense like player props there the defense has to react so can we get into weather a little bit because now we're sitting here in january green bay is going to have at least one game there's some other cold weather sites talk to me a little bit about the weather uh and what you had just mentioned because to me wind is the number one factor for pushing a game to the under yeah, you're spot on, Holden. So I think, you know, as bettors, when we first get into betting, we don't even really look at weather and don't, doesn't really factor in. We don't even really think about it. That's a big mistake. I don't think the weather is the only reason you bet a game, but you should make sure that it's one variable that you're taking into account. And uh, to your point, you know, a lot of people think, like, when it's rainy out or snowy out or any of these things, it's going to be great for an under. Really, that's not true. Like, you know, uh, in, in Denver, and you guys know Mike Pritchard, my, my co-host on Betting Across America, he always tells me it's wind, wind, wind that really affects the passing game, you'll lead to missed kicks. It's the win that really benefits unders. And to your point, like my benchmark is just 10 miles an hour or more. But to your point, you get up to 15, 20, it gets even better. Uh, so those are the little things you like to look at. And now that we get into the postseason here, obviously we got January weather in a lot of these stadiums. One thing to keep an eye out for, uh, obviously, you know, windy unders in general, I love to play, but sharp unders that fall at least a point. So this is very, very simple. But if a playoff total last decade falls at least one point, so think, you know, 45 to 44, 50 down to 49, falls at least a point, those unders 43 and 30, 59% uh, over the Ooh. last decade. So here's another thing as a, you know, a data-minded better, Holden, like if we can combine multiple systems, so maybe it's a sharp under that falls a point, and it's maybe another divisional matchup, divisional unders with the familiarity lead to lower scoring games. Then you get some win. Maybe you get an under referee like Tony Carrenti. Those are the things I look at. So it's early, but one game did match this weekend to an under. It would be Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Uh, that total open mm -hmm. at 48. It's now down to 46 and a half. You had some early money hit that under, and that would match that sharp under that falls at least a point, uh, which is 59%, almost 60% the last decade. Have you hit any of these bets yet? Is there anything you've touched on? Because that Steelers-Chiefs game was standing out to me too. Yeah, I haven't hit any yet. Kind of the way I look at this is, you know, a lot of betters, and someone told me a long time, you know, bet favorites early and bet dogs late. Typically, you'll see the lines move toward favorites, and all these numbers have moved, moved toward favorites uh, pretty much across the board. There's one system I do that I do like with dogs, though, and I lean on a lot of a lot of dogs in the playoffs because when you think about it, it's kind of like March Madness or bowl games. We had a good year with dogs anyway, but now it's these standalone games. There's only, you know, two or maybe three on Sunday. They're all super heavily bet. There's nowhere else to go. Like a regular NFL Sunday when we have 15 games, public spreads their action against all uh, across the market. When there's only two or one game, you know, or three games, each one gets like, you know, exponentially higher bet than a regular season game more public bias to go against, public likes favorites, I lean on dogs. So postseason dogs, uh, they're about 55% against the spread the last decade. Regular season dogs are around 52%. So you tick up about 3%. 
the system that I really like, though, is a dog playing a team that missed the playoffs the previous year, so you don't really have that experience to lean on. That's 46-24 and 24 against the spread, 66% ATS over the last decade. So two games that I'm close on, that I'm monitoring, that I kind of like. I just want, you know, let the public bias fit in, you know, pour in. Can I get a better number? It would be uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. They're going to uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. That game opened around, you know, six and a half, six. It's kind of hanging right on there. I'm really close to ve- grabbing Vegas plus six and a half. Road dogs do very well, playing a team that missed the playoffs uh, last year. The other match would be the 49ers. 49ers uh, are playing the Dallas Cowboys, and that game is hovering around three. Can you get a hook with three and a half? I'd be looking for a hook with Vegas. I'd be looking for a hook with San Fran. It's really these playoff dogs playing teams that missed the playoffs last year that I've really leaned on in years past. Yeah, I hope that hook comes back. I hope a bunch of Dallas money comes in because I saw the Niners at plus three and a half. I was like, God, should I hit this? And then I said, you know what? That would just be like an impulse bet because that's the way I sense it. Let me go dig into it. But I'm with you. You know, if the Niners, if they could pick up that hook, I'm feeling really good about that too. You know, you know what else is fascinating? So we have a lot in common as far as the data goes, using data. But I think the one thing where you and I are going to kind of go off is the trends. Like for me, I need a really, really recent trend in order to buy into it, whether it be this season, like, and uh, in, in, I'm not even going to give you an example. Whereas you're going back multiple years with this. So t- talk to me about that because I'm always open to making adjustments. What is it about multi-year trends with the high roster turnover and the coaching turnover that you could still use and apply today to these bets? Yeah, so I think the way I look at it, it's a really good question. Like, first off, I'm going, I'm looking at, you know, today's data. And really what I'm looking at as a contrarian better is I want to bet against the public. I want to be with the sharp money, whether that's a steam move, reverse line move, whatever it may be, try to beat the closing line. Uh, I'm a big proponent of not betting parlays. We all know the data where the hold percentage is huge for the book. Um, But that's part of it, looking at today's data and wanting to be with the house uh, against the public and with the sharps. The other part of it is digging into the past. And, you know, I get into, you know, some good discussions with people about this and uh, I'm with you. I think the important thing is you got to distinguish between a trend and a betting system. To me, they are Mm -hmm. different. I think a lot of people kind of just view them as the same. So really a a trend and you hear this all the time is a trend is your friend or a a trend is is your friend until it ends. To me, I think you got to look at trends as uh, having big sample sizes. So, for example, like if, like in baseball, I'm a Red Sox fan. Every Tuesday, Chris Sale is 5-0 and this year. Does that mean you bet him every Tuesday? No, that could be coincidental. That's not really meaningful very much. But to me, with betting systems, it's when you have multi-year sample sizes and you can kind of have consistent results, and it doesn't matter what teams fit the model, they still do pretty well. So I'll give you an example. Uh, divisional dogs in the NFL. You go back the last decade, last 20 years, uh, you compare dogs in a non-division game versus a divisional game. The divisional dogs pick up around 2 to 3% in terms of their cover rate, whereas the non-divisional dogs uh, are, are 2 to 3% less. So wh- why is that important? Because it doesn't matter if you know Patriots are playing the Bills or you know the Jets are playing uh, the Dolphins or any kind of divisional matchup. Because there's that built-in familiarity, it benefits the team getting points. It's, it's you know, they kind of know what to expect from each other. So that's a simple one. And again, you know, a trend to me, it, it can come and go, but a betting system that has staying power and has, you know, multi-years of, of uh, like, for example, that windy under system, that's not a trend. That's a betting system. Uh, you know, that's another thing to keep an eye out for. So uh, I would always, you know, look at, dig deep into the past. And again, to your point, there are rule changes. There's roster turnover. You know, uh, I remember in college basketball when they moved the three-point line back like a foot, a foot and a half. Uh, you had a bunch of unders hit early. 
Why? Because it's different. That where you're standing now used to be a three. Now it's a two because it got pushed back. So there are changes. You know, NBA totals were killing it to the under early in the year because the NBA was cracking down on on those uh, abnormal basketball movement fouls when the guy you know up fakes just not to make the shot but just to get the guy to foul him. They weren't calling that anymore. So early in the year, you had unders cashing like 65%. So things change. The market's fluid. The books catch up to it. But betting systems to me are important. They're not the only reason I bet a game. But if we have like data today where maybe a dog is, you know, getting 20% of bets, but 50% of money and they got a reverse line move in their favor and they match a betting system, whether it's a road dog or, you know, divisional dog, that's to me when you combine the past with the present where I get confidence and fire on a bet. So you talked about divisional dogs then. So we do have the Patriots and the Bills, Patriots plus four and a half, and then the Cardinals plus four. So that's kind of fits your system, right? The other thing is, I think it's interesting because people are using systems and they don't realize they're using systems. <laughs> you notice that a lot, right? Yeah, exactly. No, it's totally true. And again, maybe like the primetime dog system where, again, the other thing with systems, there has to be a theory behind it. If you don't have a good theory, you know, and there are a lot of data and databases you can use where you can just over filter a million things and work your way to a profitable system. But if it's super overfitted and the parameters are are crazy and you've just whittled it down to such a, uh, a situation where there really isn't a theory behind it, then to me, those are, are worthless betting systems. It's the ones that have a theory behind it. Again, like the divisional dog and the theory of the familiarity leading to, uh, you know, tighter games and benefiting the dog getting points. So Maybe you played a lot of divisional dogs and even realized that primetime dogs have done well. Or uh, maybe you like those short road dogs and you didn't realize that, hey, short road dog six or less, you know, we're over 60% this year. So again, as betters, there's a million ways to skin a cat. But to me, when you can combine the present with the past and really have a theory behind it, that, that's a bet worth making. So can we apply it to some of your systems to these playoffs? Like, like you mentioned, uh, road dogs in the in the same division well here we go patriots plus four and a half right we got belichick going up against you know josh allen and the bills a little bit it's not the only criteria you're going to use to bet this but how strong how much are you going to take into that if you're betting pats at the bills oh definitely it's a huge factor here and again they, these teams played late in the year as well that could also be a benefit you know because this wasn't a you know you play in week one and week seven this was you know deep into the season where you had the windy game in buffalo and then the patriots got rolled at home in a bill's revenge game so you're totally right you know i'm looking at this number it's kind of bopping around between four four and a half and this is another thing to look at betting against the public i'm seeing a lot of bets on buffalo you saw Mac Jones in the season finale turning the ball over Patriots losing at Miami, whereas, you know, Buffalo, you know, ended the season on a hot note. So the recency bias of, you know, what have you done for me lately? You're going to see a lot of these, you know, favorites and home favorites and teams that look better in the finale get a lot of public betting. So to your point, another thing I look at betting system wise, dogs with low totals versus favorites with high totals. If you're a dog with a low total and a low total to me is really anything like maybe 44, 43 or less. Um, that that benefits a dog. And again, doesn't matter what kind of dog you are or what division you're in, but a lower, basically if the odds makers are expecting a lower scoring game, it benefits the dog because uh, it, basically there are fewer points expected and therefore it's harder for the favorite to cover the number. On the flip side, if you like a favorite, you want a favorite with a total of you know 50 or higher because more points scored makes it easier or theoretically more likely that a favorite could cover that number. So New England matches a lot. You know, by the way, I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan, so uh, maybe I'll put my, my – and again, never do this. Don't bet with your heart. But if the data right. lines up with your team, I'll fire here. You have about two-thirds of bets on the Bills. Bills open four, four-and-a-half. Some of these four-and-a-halves have fallen to four. It's a total of 43. It's going to be a tight game. I would grab the points with New England there. 
Same thing with Arizona and the Rams. Now, that's kind of the same thing, four, four and a half. I'd look for hooks here and also remember teaser opportunities. You know, public loves teasers, but go through multiple key numbers. If you can get, you know, New England or Arizona at four and a half and take them up to plus ten and a half, go through seven, go through ten. That could be, uh, you know, maybe a thing to look at this playoffs as well. Yeah, that's... That to me is what I'm looking at here. Do I want to bet this thing plus four and a half? Do you want to take the money line? Maybe thinking that the Patriots could go on the road and win at Buffalo too. It's going to be a hell of a game. I mean, that that to me is what I'm looking forward to so much. And then, you know, the Raiders and the Bengals. Here we go again. A total right around 50. You talked about the Raiders, how there was some benefit there. Um, Niners, Cowboys, to me, again, I'd want the hook. I'm going to need to dig into it a little bit more. The interesting one here, though, is the Cardinals and the Rams because you talk about the favorite. Higher total, back the favorite. But divisional game in the playoffs, four points. So what happens when you get these mixed messages? One side of the coin says bet this way, and the other side of the coin says bet that way. Yeah, great question. So I think, number one, it's to you as a better, you know, what you feel more confident. And again, I also also kind of lean on the fact that a lot of this stuff I'm talking about, you know, divisional dogs, uh, windy unders, you know, all these things that we're looking at, the odds makers know this and they know a million other things that, that I have never even thought of or have no idea about. So sometimes these things are just baked into the cake. Don't think as a better, like, oh my God, I'm the only one who knows divisional dogs are better than non-divisional dogs, and I'm pulling a fast one over the books. No, they know all these things. The line movement is baked in. I think another thing why the NFL playoffs could be you know, difficult this uh, year, hopefully you don't have to deal with it, but COVID. You know, what if you're looking at a great number and you have late COVID you know, hitting the Patriots and the line goes to seven? Like These are some things also that you want to keep into account. But to your point, um, you know, to me, the, the line itself is the most important thing because that's really going to kind of, you know, put away all the bias and put away, you know, the eye test and what's the actual respected money doing. So for that example, Arizona and the Rams, you know, you're having a lot of people bet the Rams. They're down on Arizona. They started great. They folded late. The high total would benefit the Rams there. But what is the line telling you? Open for it's pretty much stayed for. That's kind of a line freeze-ish type situation. So, again, I think the, the easiest thing is if you have multiple systems that are going different directions, lay off the game. Don't touch it. But if you can kind of look at, okay, what's going on here? Where's the line going? Where's the public? Uh, where's the respected money? To me, as of now, I'd lean Arizona, but I'd wait and try to get the hook. Well, the last thing would be then, and I had to adjust this in the month of December too, was the COVID. Like I did yeah. not want to bet a game on Monday that was played Sunday just because, especially last week, right? You don't know who's going to play. You don't know who's not going to play. You don't know about the COVID. And I wonder if there was any kind of trend for yourself that you dug up when you're going to make these bets. Because I, again, I really want to hit the Niners if it hits the three and a half. But how can I say I'm going to bet that if that pops on Tuesday with four or five days in between now and then? I, I personally just think it's, it's tough for me to invest in a game uh, when it's four or five days away where we just don't know because of all the uncertainty around it. Yeah, I think it's a it's a gift and a curse in a way because, you know, if you do your homework and, again, read juice movement. Like, I'm a big proponent of what is the juice telling you because I think a lot of betters just focus on, like, the spread is four. But is it four plus, one, plus 105 even? Is it four minus 115? That can be an indicator there to kind of lead you in the right in the next direction. Like, I'll give you an example. I was on the 49ers uh, this past weekend, and at one point they're all the way. I think they were like, you know, they're getting four and a half. They end up closing like three, three and a half. But the four and a half at one point was really juiced up minus 115. So I was telling you it's probably going to get down to four. 
So if you really like a game early in the week, you can you know, get a lot of value and equity by maybe jumping on a number that looks like, and again, don't just look at one book. You need the whole market to be juicing up the same side. Uh, as Patrick Maher at Vison says, like painted across the board, they're all the same and they're juiced up in the same direction. That could be worth a look. Like for example, um, right now, Cincinnati, any book that has Cincinnati laying six and a half is juiced up toward the Vegas Raiders. So that's kind of telling you it may get back down to six. So if you like the Raiders, you know, if you can get the hook, that could be worth jumping on now. So I'm kind of a proponent of waiting later in the week. I'm right with you there, Holden. Um, but I, I would be, I wouldn't be terrified of betting something a little early, early in the week if you feel like you're getting the best number and it's going to fall. Okay. Uh, that's to me where, where there is some value. I think that's a tremendous uh, point that you bring up there. I, I really like that one. Um, and just, I'm going to give you one thing for the Rams going forward, okay? Uh, so the Rams really don't have that much of a home field advantage. It's not as bad as the Chargers, but they're playing the Niners, and Matt Stafford said it was tough for them communicate, to communicate in the second half. I mean, this is, just keep it in the back of your mind, right? These are just little nuggets here. I'm not worried about Cardinals fans storming LA, but if what, what if LA has a game later in the playoffs and it's against a team with a big fan base? Well, <laughs> you know, if you're going to give three points to a home team right now, maybe it, there's just so many different angles, Josh. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Just so many different things. And for you just to narrow down your process and use these systems, I think is probably very beneficial to you. I appreciate it, Holden. And again, like it took me a lot of losing to kind of get where I'm at now. And again, when I first started, I was a public better. Uh, I'm from New England. I would anytime the Patriots play, I don't care what the line is. I'm, I'm sweating my pats. I'm laying the points, you know, uh, betting my Bruins, my Celtics, my Red Sox. But then when I kind of got into the industry, I started working for a company called Sports Insights, which was a data analytics company on the North Shore of Boston. And that really changed everything for me because I realized that you know, what you expect to happen and what the eye test tells you, it doesn't always happen. Actually, more often than not, it doesn't happen. So if you can kind of take a situation where you cover up the names of the teams, just look at the line movement, make it completely analytics-based, take your bias out of it and don't factor in your favoritism, lean on line movement and betting percentages and system matches. Uh, again, like I'm not a, I wouldn't call, I'm not a handicapper. Like I'm not telling you that, you know, hey, the Rams should really be minus three and a half and therefore getting the plus four with, you know, Arizona is a value play. That's not really how I look at the market. I'm more of a, you know, uh, a monitor of the market and trying to find my sweet spot that combines those, you know, contrarian and sharp action type values. So again, it works for me. It's done pretty decent and, you know, kind of gives me a blueprint moving forward. But I think as a better, no matter what you, you know, hang your hat on, I would just be consistent with it because if you're just loosey goosey and, oh, you know, favorites went, you know, 10 and five yesterday, let me bet every favorite this week. No, really kind of just look at the data, the way the line is moving. To me, that's the best way to approach betting. Well, I'll tell you this much. Great stuff here. I appreciate it. Josh Applebaum, VEASAN, plug your shows, uh, and then obviously the uh, the social medias as well, Josh. <laughs> yeah, so I'm at VEASAN, of course. Uh, so you can read the newsletter in the morning for free, VEASAN.com slash newsletter. You can sign up there. Uh, jump on Lombardi line. I co-host Betting Across America from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern time with our buddy Pritch. Um, and then if you're on Twitter, you can follow me at Josh underscore insights. And if you want to make my day, uh, I did write a book, the everything guide to sports betting. So if you want to go to amazon.com, buy a copy for you or your buddy in New York who just went legal, uh, mean a lot to me. It's got all the tips and, and kind of systems that I talk about just in one easy to read place. All right. Just awesome stuff there. Thank you so much, Josh. I appreciate it. You take care of yourself. Of course, Walden. Appreciate it. Thank you. Very good. Some final thoughts on the Broncos to wrap up the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers next. 
Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 Putting a bow on the show. Thanks again to Josh Applebaum from Decent for hopping on, talking some betting systems and kind of getting an angle or two on the NFL playoffs. I'm really going to be digging into that Patriots game, that Patriots Bills game, Patriots plus four and a half on Bet Rivers. Uh, I might have a bet for that coming up tomorrow. Again, I'm playing it a little bit safe, uh, given what we've had uh, going on with the COVID, but it, it is an interesting lean there. And I already had a lean towards San Francisco plus three and a half. We'll see if we can get that hook back if a whole bunch of Dallas money comes in. Uh, also, thanks so much to Brandon Stokely for hopping on, talking about the Broncos and the coaching search. And I'll tell you once again, Brian Flores is my guy. I think this guy is a tremendous young head coach. And while Stokely brought up some good points, you know, a little bit of, or probably big time issues with the front office, um, maybe some issues with Tua, which I'm not quite as familiar with. But again, uh, this was one stop and he was with one of the most dysfunctional organizations in the National Football League. And for me, that kind of gives him a free pass on this one and also tells me, um, yeah, that the, that the Dolphins deserve no benefit of the doubt. Also, seems like Dan Quinn, as I put him as the favorite. Yeah, Dan Quinn is the favorite. Coming up on Tuesday's show. Ooh, it's going to be a good one. Nick Ferguson, former Bronco, going to join me. We're going to talk about the coaching search with him. We'll try and find some best bets. We're going to talk nuggets. And uh, later in the week, I think we're going to debut some abs betting as well. So the Avalanche kids had a great time at the game. Uh, I think it was, what, Saturday night? Yeah, they had a great game, a great night at the game on Saturday night. So we're going to start talking some abs, too. Thank you very much to Stokely and to Josh and to our producer, Stephen, behind the scenes. Thanks for checking out the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic, every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.